So if you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll focus on verse 22, and then into verse 3 of chapter 2. So in our passage for this evening, we see the answer to the very valuable question, how do we grow as Christians, as you might have guessed from our prayers. How do we grow as Christians? That is what the Apostle Peter teaches us in this passage. We have been made holy in God's sight. God has given you that gift through the death of his Son. And in response to his love, in response to who God has made us to be, we are to be holy. We are to live like we have been made to be, striving after holiness in everything we do. That's what we are now. We we are holy servants of our Lord Jesus. And this more and more as each year that passes in our Christian life. So should we want to serve him more? Should we want to be stronger? Should we want to be wiser Should we want to be deeper Christians so that we can serve him better, so that we can serve him more? Of course the answer to that is yes. God wants us to be soldiers of his, unshakable warriors and not frail little children continually. We're born baby Christians and we're to grow up And God tells us how to grow up. And he wants us to grow. So how do we? Peter says in two ways. The first thing he says is be loving. That's our first point. Be loving. And we see here one of the key themes of this letter. We are showing a glimpse again of what we the church should look like. That's what we see in the letter of Peter. We are To be loving each other. Why has God saved us? To forgive us? Yes. To enable us to have a relationship with him? Yes. So that we'll go to heaven? Yes. That's why God has saved us. But what else? What other reason? Verse 22, and I read this from the ESV. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the faith for... A sincere brotherly love. That's why we've been saved as well. What what does that mean? The first bit. We have our souls purified. How beautiful. How beautiful that is to know. If we let that truth sink into our very beings. That is an amazing thing to think about. We are pure in the sight of God. Even to the very depths of our souls. And that, that knowledge. That knowledge that we have regarding this, that we are pure in his sight. Remember the first, you possibly remember the first day of becoming a Christian. Some of you will not, and that's nearly a blessing as well, to to grow up always remembering that you love the Lord Jesus as your saviour. Some of our covenant children have this blessing. But remember, for some of you that can, The first day of becoming a Christian and realizing I'm forgiven. I'm now loved by God. He 
he doesn't count that sin against me. He views me as holy, just like a son. That's what he declares you in the courtrooms of heaven. You are holy. And you're holy right down to the deepest parts of your soul. That's how God sees you now. And how do we have this? Middle of verse 22, by your obedience to the truth. And that is maybe phrasing that we're not overly familiar with. We're more familiar with the Apostle Paul's phrasing maybe. But Peter, he's used this before in verse 2. He simply means that we're believing the truth about Jesus. We are submitting to him as our king, as our saviour. We're trusting in that. That is obedience to the truth. And so back to our question regarding this verse, why did God save us? To forgive us? Yes. To enable us to have a relationship with him? Yes. So that we could go to heaven? Yes. But what else? So that we could have sincere brotherly love or sisterly. The Greek is inclusive of both modern English is quite an odd language in that it's not really in that respect. Anyway, we, we have been saved for sincere, real, pure, brotherly and sisterly love. We see that in that verse, one of the reasons that Jesus, the Son of God, walked to his death for us was so that we could have sincere brotherly and sisterly love towards each other. And it, it shows us the obvious, there is no such thing as a saved individual from the very moment you became a christian you became part of god's chosen people part of his family we learn in the passage before uh, the passage that we're studying today where we learn in the passage before that we are individually responsible for our own actions for our own lives as god's holy children but that is the case within god's family because that's who we are we are brothers and sisters in Christ together in his family and therefore that that's a truth that we the church desperately need to get right the authors of the book everyday church said this about the letter of first peter when reading first peter we get intoxicated with the very idea of church again and again. It is almost as though the smell of what it means to be the people of God emanate from the letter. It is mind-blowing and heart-stirring. We love the concept of the church. You are the church. Be loving. Be a loving family. Do it sincerely, end of verse 2, or whatever the NIV equivalent is. Do it sincerely. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Always putting the church family above your own individual wants and desires. And this love spilling out from the pure, loving heart of flesh that your Savior has given to you. Anywhere where the true Christian church has settled for a couple of hundred years or so, it seems like they have forgotten family. Anywhere where the church exists in relative peace, it seems 
like it has forgotten family. Maybe they don't see any need of family. Many thousands of Christians are happy to live individual lives involving few others than their friends or family. And they see no problem that church to them means two or three meetings, 60 minute long a week. We have been saved for a sincere brotherly and sisterly love. We are to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. It's part of what we've been saved for. Month by month we're to do this. Week by week, day by day. We're to ask ourselves, are we loving each member of our church family? The the people next to you now are your main priority. The whole church of Jesus Christ is too, but the people next to you, your main priority. Ask yourself, do, do they feel my love throughout their week? Do they feel it in our actions, in our words? Or do we mainly just live for self? Is it only us who feels the loving actions of ourselves? Very practical question to see how you are doing throughout the week. Do you lovingly check up on each other? Do do you see each other throughout the week? Do you pop over when you can? Some of you possibly are retired. I do not know. I'm not judging in that respect. I'm not guessing that you must be. Some of you are maybe out of work. I don't know. Some of you possibly students just about to get holidays. Use your time. Use that period in your life and meet up. Meet up to, to get to know each other. You, you, your brothers and sisters together. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure some of you are already doing this. And I praise that. I praise the Lord that that's so. This is his doing. This is his leading. But think, how are you spending your weeks? Others of you, I'm sure, work very hard throughout your week. Your Christian work ethic is good. You, you know that you are created to work. So keep that up. Keep it up. Definitely keep it up. But do remember, however, what is more important than your work or your family or your marriage or anything. Christ and his body. When you arrive home or you come in from the farm... And all you want to do is stop and curl up by the TV for an hour or two or just and, and let your mind settle. Some me time. When you want to do that, think about church family. Think about how you could fit church family into one or two of those evenings a week. And if you can't, if you can't see that slotting into your weekly timetable... Know that for the sake of Christ and his church, you need, to, you need to somehow change your week. And what we're talking about, what we're t- let's not forget that it is, it's a beautiful thing. Christ died for it. It has to be good. Christ purchased this for us. But it's, it is a big cultural step for some. We feel, we feel exposed We feel vulnerable. And if we're loving each other from a pure heart, 
sometimes that hurts. Because Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes it is loving to wound each other, to cut each other. But what does that mean? The only thing that true brotherly or sisterly love ever hurts or cuts or wounds is what? Sin. We, we find our sharp edges chipped off in love. We, we find our patience lengthened. If any of you got to know me a little more, you would find your patience lengthened. Or our grace and forgiving spirit increased. Same. If you got to know me a little more, that would be true. You'd have to build up in your heart more grace than you currently have. You'd have to forgive more than you currently do. If you got closer to me, if you came round to my house unawares and worked together at something or whatever, that's what happens. And that's how God has made it to be. It will cost us. It will cost us. The world says that's bad, it's good. The world's not, the world's not true. It will cost us, and that is good. Why? The whole point of our passage. Because we will grow. We will grow. We will grow for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is simply because that is how God has made these things to be. So therefore, be loving. Sincerely and earnestly. So that you may grow as a church family together. Those two words in the original language, they are very, very full words. Our love is to be abundant. Our love is to be eager. Our love is to be gushing over, nearly embarrassingly so. And think about it. Why would we, why would we expect anything else in God's family? God's family. It's the most wonderful family in all the world. God, our Father, Jesus, our elder brother who died for us and made it all possible. Each member of it has been declared pure and holy. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is true increasingly so in each brother or sister's life. What a family. Every brother and sister in God's family has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. Pulling them towards holiness more and more. And pulling them towards, therefore, love more and more. And this is how Peter, in verse 23 to 25, concludes these thoughts about the love that we are to have together. We've been thinking, we've really been doing the application before the truth, but that's how it's set out in God's word. We've been talking about the nitty gritty how we're actually to do it, the working out of it, the application of it. Now we're told why we can. We're told the truth about it all. We're told that this love that we have for one another, that it's supernatural. That's what we have. We have supernatural love together. When you love your fellow brother in Christ, when you love your fellow sister in Christ, when you ding-dong their doorbell and show yourself in whatever ways to help to build up, to help practically or spiritually. That love is supernatural. Supernatural love. Verse 23, why is it supernatural? 
We can love like this, and we are to love like this, since we have been born again. Supernatural love. We once were heading body and soul to everlasting death, and now miraculously we are imperishable. That is a shockingly big truth. We're now imperishable. So clearly stated. Why, why do we have eternal life? Because, end of verse 23, we believe the Bible. We believe the Bible. That's why we have eternal life. Just like uh, those of you who were worshipping in Milford were thinking about this morning. It, the Bible. It, it's living. It has almighty spiritual power because it is the true word of God that never fades, that never blemishes that never lessens that the truths in it will never change they will never become less deep less wonderful and it is the word that gives us everlasting life god has spoken in written form about this son who died his son and he's told us what he has done and we who believe in that have inherited eternal life. We have been made imperishable. We've been born again. And this is why we love. That's why we know what love is, because we have been loved wholly and completely by God, who's made us alive. How we are to grow as Christians. We're to grow together by loving each other. And that is really what a lot of the New Testament is about. The Apostle Paul in many of his letters is telling those churches that he writes to how to love one another. It's one of the favourite themes of the letters of John also. And it's why so much of the New Testament is given over to this topic of love. Because we're not only to believe the gospel, we're to do it. We're to live it. It's joyfully to be our lives. We are to love. And now then, to the second thing that Peter tells us about. How we're to grow as Christians. We are to be longing. In the ESV, it is craving, if my memory serves me correctly. We are to be longing. Same thing. So, we're to be loving. And second and closing point, be longing. Be longing. Verse 2 of chapter 2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If we want to grow in our salvation, in our Christian lives, we are to long for the spiritual milk of God's word. The word, verse 23, that gives us eternal life we are to long to feed and to feed and to feed from that word and do note that peter here by what he is saying he's not rebuking his readers like the apostle paul is in first corinthians 3 verse 2 the apostle paul in first corinthians chapter 3 was saying that they should have grown more he was rebuking them for being infants in christ for acting like non-Christians, for being jealous of each other, quarreling together. And so he says, you're still not ready for solid food yet, just milk. That is not the way, Paul, that is not the way Peter 
is using this illustration. He is simply drawing a picture to explain how much we should crave the word of God. That is what he is doing and it is such a graphic picture. He is telling us that we should be, that we should have an insatiable desire to feed on God's word. And so by it, grow. Have you ever heard that piercing cry a wee baby makes who wants milk? A piercing elongated cry the volume the pitch has been so designed by the creator that you cannot ignore it 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 is nigh on intolerable the only and the, the 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 only thing the only thing that will stop that cry is what is milk just milk Nigh on intolerable. The longing will not be stopped by anything else. Do we have that longing for the Bible? Do we have that appetite? That nothing else will satisfy us. And know that Therefore, you you do not need to be clever to grow as a Christian. You don't need to be clever. You just need to be hungry. Just like a little baby. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. This, like anything in the Christian life, we must work at. Is is prayer easy? No, we must work at it. Work at it. Is is loving each other easy? Definitely not. Sometimes. We must work at it. Peter is commanding them here. He's not congratulating them. He's commanding them. Like newborn infants, you now long for pure spiritual milk. And if you want to grow, which you must, you long for the Bible. You want it more and more. In your very soul, you're to be crying out for it that that high-pitched piercing elongated cry for spiritual milk for the bible and nothing else should stop that cry other than you listening to god's word preach you reading god's word you you digging and digging and digging studying more learning more meditating more memorizing more listening to your god more if you think of a relationship between a husband and a wife. How do they grow closer together? Is it in silence? It's by talking. It's by a relationship. And we talk to our Heavenly Father by praying to him. And he talks to us by us listening to his word. And so we therefore are to cry out more and more. Listening to our Heavenly Father who we love so dearly. Because of the Lord Jesus. So therefore we are to do all we can. To dig and dig and to eat and to eat. To dig and to dig and to eat and to eat. And most importantly. We're to do it. We're to act on what we hear. Ultimately you feed in God's word. Not just by listening to to it. You feed on it by doing it. It's the very reason why Peter says. At the end of verse 2 there. We should be 
having the longing to grow up into salvation, to grow up into doing what we have been saved to do. The Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 2 were being rebuked precisely for not doing this. They were following the ways of the world. They were being jealous for each other. They were quarreling together. There was infighting. And the very reason that feeding on the opposite of God's word, that or how feeding on the opposite of God's word, how very interesting that that produces the opposite. That's feeding on the opposite, quarreling and infighting. It produces the opposite of what feeding on God's word does. Love and growth and fellowship together. It produces hate and separation. Be careful what you feed on. And we see the the opposite of feeding on God's word in verse 1 of chapter 2. We see sins that are delicious to eat. We know that God's word tells us that sin has pleasures for a season. It's tasty for a short time. But then nothing but pain and death. And do we acknowledge what we see in verse 1 of chapter 2 as being sinfully delicious? Sinfully delicious. How is gossiped? Gossip described in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 22. The words of a gossip are like delicious morsels. They go down to the inner parts of the body. And we see something very sad and telling in Proverbs sixteen twenty-eight. A dishonest man spreads strife. A gossip separates close friends. Is it any wonder... We're told in verse 1 of chapter 2, So put away all malice and all deceit and all and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Every one of these things will hinder our longing for real food because they are the opposite and therefore they produce the opposite. Every one of these things will hinder our brothers and sisters growing. And so very interesting to note that each sin mentioned there in verse 1 takes another person. No sin there is an individual sin. They are all community sins. They're all family sins. And so if we don't put them away, we will suffer as a family. Just like the Corinthians, our growth will be slowed. Our love will be less because we're feeding On the opposite of God's word. Let's go through them. We are to put away all malice. We're to have no evil thoughts. Or actions towards one another. No matter if we think it just. Because we are to be gracious. To one another. We are to love. We're to put away all deceit. We're never to be dishonest with one another. Or trick one another. Or even flatter one another. Our love is to be from a pure heart. We are to love. We are to put away all hypocrisy. We're never to be two-faced, putting up pretenses, maybe just because it's easier, pretending that we're doing better than we are, because it's less tiring than being honest. No, we're to love. We're to be, or we're to put away all envy. What a silly thought envy is when we know what we have in Jesus. Financially, materially, or talents or skills, God has given some more and he has given some less. 
and we're to serve God with what we have, praising him all the way. No envy. We are to love. And final thing, we're to put away all slander, public or private, expressed to others or even expressed within our very hearts. Never are we to be thinking ill of each other. Never are we to partake in gossip. We are to love. Every one of these five things, please do know, every one of these five things are sinful natures love to do. And every one of them shatters and breaks apart the love that we are to have for one another. Be very careful, dear believers, what you are feeding on. This indeed, verse 3 if you have tasted that the Lord is good. And let me ask you, are you part of his family? Are you part of God's family? Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Or do you know very little of what we have been talking about this evening? Talk to any person sitting here who knows about the Lord Jesus who loves him, who trusts him, talk to anyone. They'd love to tell you, I'd love to tell you about belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, you know that the Lord is good. May you believe what he has taught us today through his word. It is good to love each other and it is good to long after his word so that we may grow. And may we let nothing that this world offers to us hinder us from these two things. Amen.